You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder podcast, episode 29, The Return of Vitality. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, everybody. We are your hosts, Sarah and Christopher. It's been a few weeks. Have you missed us? Because we've missed you. I heard a yes. I think you've missed us, too. Well, we're glad to be back. We've had a super busy few weeks, but we are back on board with our podcast, ready to deliver you wonderful, juicy, holistic news and wellness. And this episode's going to be a good one with Lori Kosser. She's actually um, the nutrition lead for Tony Robbins Life Mastery. And this conversation has really inspired me um and you'll find out why you know when you listen to the episode but it's something that really resonated with me and i'm really passionate about this one so i'll let sarah tell you a little bit about who Lori is and then we'll dive into the conversation absolutely so Lori, as a longtime nutritionist and health coach has worked with thousands of men and women who have struggled to find a way to eat right lose weight and the important part, keep it off. While Lori's approach has always contained a holistic element and she has long been interested in both spirituality and psychology, over the past decade she has occupied a unique vantage point at the intersection of various worlds and that is precisely why we wanted her on our show. In particular, she has served as the nutrition lead for Tony Robbins Life Mastery, as I'd said a minute ago, and has seen firsthand how health and wellness challenges are part of the same stew that keeps so many of us from finding our happiness. What has emerged for her is a realization that something vital is missing, not just from the traditional diet and nutrition landscape, but even to an extent, the more health and wellness oriented scene. The way we look at these subjects remains very linear and goal-focused, and she offers clients not only a new way of thinking, but a process, a proven method for ditching the diets and instead learning how to ultimately listen to yourself and your body and create your own health and nutrition solutions. And in this particular episode, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff about her experience um, her personal story, but we're really going to dive into the book that she's working on that is really geared for men and their wellness journey. We're going to talk about juicy stuff like emotions, body image, things of that sort that we see are being addressed for the women in our society. But what about those guys, y'all? Yeah. So we are excited to bring this interview to you. Of course, Stick around for the health tip of the episode at the end of the interview. We'll be talking to you about Fresh Start. Yes, Fresh Start, our new ebook. Very excited about it. So until then, enjoy the conversation. Enjoy. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As always, super excited to have you with us, as well as Lori Kosser. Thanks for coming on the show, Lori. Great. I'm great. Happy to be here, Chris and Sarah. We, you know, this is a topic we're going to love getting into considering, well, what Soul Wonder is founded on health and wellness. And having that conversation that we had with you before the interview talking about your new book and everything, it just got me really excited. So I'm, I'm super pumped to get into this today and uh, hear some incredible words from yourself. Great. Well, I'm, I'm glad that was a really awesome first conversation. It's always really so wonderful to connect with uh, other people that have that same sort of path in life and, and great to come together and collaborate to share it with the rest of the world. It's, it's like one of those campfire conversations where you could just light a bonfire right. and talk to the select few around for hours. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Lori, why don't you start off a little bit by telling us about your personal story behind getting into the health and wellness realm? Um, sure. Well, it's a you know it's a story. I'm sure not unlike 
other people that um, it's not like everyone was sort of born and blessed with um, the good sense of taking care of themselves in the way that they need to. I think we probably all start out that way when we're born and life of course unfolds in various different ways for various different people. And in my own particular journey, I, um, I was very active uh, in my early days in my youth and at, at school through high school. Um, I was an athlete. I played soccer, track and field. Uh, I always loved being active and, and my uh, physical health, I think was always, always relatively good. But over time I, um, started to adopt some negative behaviors and, and part and parcel due to a lot of stress in, in my childhood and growing up with a, a mother that suffered from some mental health issues and, and just the variety of things that you encounter and the peer groups you choose. And I um, started smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol and that pretty much curtailed my athletic career. And, um, and, and eventually as, uh, I kind of skated through my twenties without too much, uh, difficulty or any, any kind of, um, repercussions from my behaviors. But as I gravitated towards my later twenties, I started to see an increase in my body weight and that continued, uh, until probably my very early thirties, I kind of hit a peak at about 190 pounds and I'm five foot three. So needless to say, carrying considerably more weight than I needed to be. And my biggest concern over it what really was about how I looked. And um, I probably didn't really understand the self-worth piece of that equation at the time, but suffice it to say that, you know, I was really trying to fit into the rest of the world and my body at 190 pounds wasn't really that, you know, the model of success. So I started back into fitness and working out. And uh, I did some dieting. And in fact, I did a lot of dieting, I think I probably could check off at least 120 different diets that I might have tried between 27 and 35 years old. And I would get great results, you know, very motivated, and I would be in the gym all the time. And then over a period of time, it just seemed like the, you know, the old default patterns would sort of slide back in and I would either end up back at, you know, not always right back to that you know, original weight that really, um, at my heaviest, but, but always putting weight back onto the point of really feeling bad about myself. And, and I just got frustrated over time as to why can't these things stick? You know, why is it uh, I try so hard and I do great for so long and then boom, I hit the wall and I fall back and uh, it just feels like this horrific uh, roller coaster that I can't seem to figure out. So I actually decided um, around the age of 35 to completely change my career and take on nutrition and fitness as as my really sole focus and vocation. And so I um, trained as a certified personal trainer here in Canada. Um, I did a, a three-year diploma in nutrition and really sought to understand on a deeper level why I was, you know, was having these problems. So that was kind of my, you know, really what steered me in this direction. And as I could begin to understand things more, I started to experience a much better degree of health. And um, I really appreciated what it took to actually stay in that lane. Um, so that was really, you know, kind of what got me, got me started in that space. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that was sort of the early phase of my career was very oriented towards biological nutrition and, um, and of course, you know, the, the inclusion of exercise, but I, you know, would have to say, as I think we certainly figured out in our discussion that things have changed, I've, I, I will always carry that. Uh, knowledge with me, but I've certainly didn't get all the answers to my questions <laughs> <laughs> just from that. So, um, that that's a really powerful story, and um, I'm glad that you threw in that last little bit too. That things have changed, um, but you always carry <laughs> yeah. those what you've studied. Um, so you mentioned that 
you had some realizations that helped you sort of stay on track in that lane of your wellness journey. Do you mind sharing a little bit what you meant by that? Sure. Um, you know, it's it's really critical uh, that what you eat, what you consume, has uh, such an incredible impact on your your overall health and well-being on so many levels. Um, and that's one thing I will always feel passionate about and and really always in my own journey specifically um, and very much in to honoring the physical body and honoring from a spiritual perspective. Um, and, and the food that we consume has as much power to heal as it does to harm. And it's really so much about looking at what it is you're about to put in your mouth and just asking yourself that simple question, is this going to bring me life force and vital energy or is this life robbing and energy depleting? So that's something that's really fundamental is the quality of the food that we put in to our mouths. And then the other big piece was, uh, you know, there's no question that exercise is, is important. And, and I think that, um, I often in the early phases, um, when I was particularly when I was struggling with eating healthy food, because it wasn't giving me the, that sort of self-medicated <laughs> hit that I was looking mm -hmm. for. Um, I would negotiate with myself by saying, just exercise a little bit more. Just, you know, you can have this if you just run, a, you know, a couple extra miles. And one of the things that I really came to appreciate is that body composition really is primarily made up and controlled by the, the food that, we, that we're eating. And that exercise can certainly be a great adjunct, but it shouldn't be what we consider to, to kind of be the factor that determines the weight that we're carrying or the excess body fat or, or you know, our, our, our over picture of wellness. So uh, while I do believe to this day, I really don't look at exercise anymore. I look at body movement. And um, uh, so those are things that are kind of fundamental that, you know, exercise, yes, absolutely wonderful. We need to keep moving as a species, but it's not the thing that really is the driver of uh, and certainly of of the excess weight that we may be carrying that makes sense you know i'm so happy that you mentioned that laurie because i went through my own personal transformation as almost all of us have um, but in regards to working out and exercising i can remember so many times after coming home from the gym in my early 20s Oh, just I'll just grab this box of Cheez-Its and eat this before dinner, just a snack on something. And then I'm going to have a dinner and the dinner, you know, is heavy on the meat and dairy. And I'm not really getting the vegetables and fruits I need after a strong workout. And, you know, I'll be fine because I just burned, you know, X amount of calories on mm -hmm. the elliptical or running yeah. or whatever, or lifting weights. And, you know, I never really saw, sure, I was big and bulky and that's maybe what I wanted out of it. But I didn't see the exact results I was looking for until I decided to switch my diet, switch my lifestyle and really hone in on that. And that's really when the weight started to drop off. And I can say uh, at this point, I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life. And it's really a true testament to the healing foods that you put in your body. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And that's so wonderful to hear. Because, um, you know, it's not that I have any anything against anybody going to the gym and working out and bulking up. But the reality of that is that you have to supplement your way to that body unless you were born with these exceptional genetic profile that some people, you know, genuinely are. But it's, a, you know, it's such a small percentage of our population But you actually have to create an artificial lifestyle, really, in order to and, and eat foods supplement with um, vitamins and minerals and different types of things that create that that sort of bulked up body and in that from that space you're not always getting all the, the other nutrients that you need and when I mean when I say nutrients I kind of mean more from a mindset and, and a heart space and the the things that actually really make us feel good about ourselves so I think that um when I look at food now, I think, you know, you guys might agree with me or disagree, but I think in the nutrition world, we got really caught up in looking at food as protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And in my 
my positioning now, I really look at food more as life force and energy. So I look at a food and I look at its energetic nature. And I think about when I eat this food, what is the, you know, the transmutation? What's the natural course of events that will take place in my body without creating any unnecessary or undue work from eating this food? So I kind of really just take to take that little uh, paragraph and put it into really harmonizing with nature, you know, like what is it we're naturally meant to assimilate and digest? And, and it's whole foods, in my opinion, right? And, and I think nutrition science in a lot of ways um, is really great and fundamental to understand certain things, but it's also kind of pinholed things into individual nutrients rather than looking at like an apple as a whole. And, and the fact that the apple kind of contains all of the trace minerals and vitamins, all of the phytonutrients and the fiber, everything that the body needs in order to extract the maximum amount of energy, allow the digestive system to process that with, with a minimum amount of energy and, and really kind of keeping everything in balance. So again, I, I take everything back to looking at that ener- the energetic nature of food. And we can agree with that 100% because that's exactly what we promote with our clients. And we've seen many of our clients, if not all of them, have tremendous success using whole foods. And I think it's, it's incredibly important. And once they shift their mindset from categorizing foods from what you said, proteins, carbs, fat, etc., it's amazing to see their revelations that, that, that happen um, when they realized that they were limiting themselves because of putting food into these categories and getting rid of those labels and going the more intuitive route, the more spiritual Mm -hmm. route, it has opened up a whole new world to them. And it's so powerful to see them come to those realizations, much like we had to come to with ourselves as well. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, it's really a reflection of the of the of the world we live in and um it, it's 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 very pervasive in the western diet and the, the advent of of the shift away from whole foods and then you know uh really creating this very pal um palatable food mm-hmm. i can't say can't say the word it starts with the <laughs> palatable there you go palatable <laughs> palatable food the palatable food and really you know understanding and appreciating that you can make a lot of foods a lot cheaper using um using food ingredients but kind of monopolizing them and manipulating them and and uh making our foods into these what we see as these refined foods some i, I would say so i heard someone refer to it the other day as adult baby food because <laughs> When you get these overly refined and processed oh, food, you don't have, you know they're easier to swallow. You don't have to chew as much, and how can any that be good for you? But uh, you know because again, that's that's when we say, oh well, you know we'll eat these foods, but we'll just take digestive enzymes so that we take these supplemental enzymes in order to do the work that the body would naturally do if we were eating the foods that help that whole enzymatic. Um, uh, effect take place. So I think it's kind of interesting um, how we've ended up in this place. But at the same time, there are a lot more people that are are um, are taken in by this type of diet simply because of its um, it's a, it's a very drug like quality to it, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, and and so then you ask the white question: What? Why is it we need um, the food to be a drug uh, for us? And and that's that's a that's another big question unto itself. It absolutely is, and and I, you know, to to say it bluntly, our food has been has been weaponized. It's been really this processed, chemically enhanced food is designed to keep us sick. It's not designed to get us out of any of the problems that we have. The whole foods is the answer. It's the it's mm-hmm. the power in those foods that are going to lift us up and bring us to a place where we can finally heal ourselves from all the damage that we have done uh, from years prior. Mm -hmm. Lori, I don't know if you've read the book or if any of our listeners have read the book, The Pleasure Trap by Dr. Lyle and Dr. Alan Goldhammer. Mm -hmm. I have read it. 
I think it's pretty fascinating. You know, you're talking about like this drug-like effect that it it has, and it's mm -hmm. very instinctual for us to reach for that pizza that our body still thinks is something we picked off the tree and is supplying yeah. us with these macronutrients. Yeah. Um, it's just an interesting concept, and uh, yeah. it's it's for our listeners who are listening. Um, the pleasure trap is real, and it's also Ease, it, it can be you can get out of it is the good news so I recommend right reading that book yeah. yeah it's a great book and uh you know it, it and and he's also got um I can't think of which which of the two authors has a, a really great um YouTube it might be a TED talk that's on YouTube and he really kind of takes the that book too and in, into one of those 17 minute TED talks it's in a wonderful uh, way of uh, really summarizing the, the core messages and you know it's it's really about the fact that our evolutionary makeup um, gave us these you know there's really two fundamental areas that we look at with how how do people get to get into this trap and and it's really that um, obesity does not come from hunger or true biological hunger obesity comes from appetite mm -hmm. and appetite and hunger are all kind of governed by the hypothalamus, but the the appetite is the desirous effect, and that's the pleasure trap that that um, those biochemicals and neurotransmitters of seeking food, and and that the the origin of it was was that we were given those um, those neurotransmitters to remind us to go seek food. And and then remind us of what tasted good. You know, if a food um, tasted pleasurable, then it would set down a neural pathway in the brain to say, remember that and seek that food again. Mm -hmm. If you picked up something and it was tasting bitter, the brain would say, oh, no, uh, <laughs> that's not something that you want to remember. You want to remember that that doesn't taste good. And so, again, I think that it, it's, it's, um, it was something that was really brilliant in the evolutionary stage of design, but it's kind of come back to bite us in the butts a little bit with the fact that food manufacturers have figured out how to make foods excessively pleasurable. And, and then, uh, you know, there's some of us that have a little bit of faulty wiring that could actually be more vulnerable to that. And that's where an addictive tendency arises around food um, that, that a lot of people really struggle from. You explain that perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. So I think to kind of segue into this, are you able to... Tell us a little bit about your experience as the nutrition lead for Tony Robbins Life Mastery. Mm. Well, that's um, again, that's something that that came as a, a, arose as a part of, of the new journey that I began to take after I began to study nutrition and really took it on as um, kind of my life's work and and good health, I guess, really as my life's work with nutrition being a pretty central part. Tony, um, Tony has uh, Mastery University, which is one of you know his signature programs, and that embodies um, you know it's the, all the life principles um, with the date, date with destiny is the one program, and then life and wealth mastery. And life mastery is uh, one of the first programs that I attended, and I was absolutely and wholeheartedly in love with the program from day one. And um, I, I went through the program myself as a participant. Uh, back in 2003, and I immediately saw so many beneficial principles, starting with the juice fast that is a signature part of that life mastery program. And I had never encountered anything like fasting before in my life. I <laughs> could never <laughs> comprehend before doing that program that I was going to be able to go five days without really consuming any um, uh, whole foods, even though you're getting all of the nutrients that your body possibly needs, what's not being fed is that appetite. And so your head games, and I mean, you guys know this, you've done your own fasting, that it can, I think one of the main um, principles to me that fasting is really advantageous is to, is to bring up those, those, that the mind, what's actually the soundtrack of the mind and how it goes into that 
survival mode when the food is removed. So that was once something that's been really instrumental. And 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 after um, doing Life Mastery as a participant, I became a volunteer crew member for the Life Mastery program, and and was really privileged and honored to get called back to crew as a volunteer uh, crew member. And and so I got to see the program and the content over and over and over again, which really just you know it it helped with the educational process, but even more so, I got the opportunity to see the thousands of people that have gone through that program and to see the you know the diversity of how people respond to doing these types of things. And these people come from all walks of life economically. Uh, it's a mix, uh, solid mix of gender, age, um, you know, so it's really was an incredible platform to observe human behavior around this whole thing of food and, and nutrition. And so I've just always been so incredibly passionate about the program and the program continued to grow and grow in, as, as I think health and nutrition became more, um, you know, mainstream and as a result, the numbers of the program grew, and I, I ended up um, being invited to come as a subcontractor and work in a paid position, which uh, was really, you know, to me, I pinch myself sometimes to think that I get paid to go and do these things in really great places uh, around the world and work with fabulous, like-minded people. And, uh, you know, and there's a whole treasure trove of experts that come through the program and speak to the participants all while we're doing, you know, they're all doing this juice fast. So I think that a great deal of the work that I focus on now in my current body of work has really arisen from the literally the thousands of people that I've met and engaged with um, through the Tony Robbins program. So I feel, I feel very, very blessed and, and privileged to have had that opportunity. That's incredible. Your personal development through that is really cool. And being able to share that space with so many people who go through these transformations just had to be such an empowering experience. Right. It is. It really, really is. So right now, uh, you are working on a book, which I'm really excited about because the conversation we had the other day talking about the book and what it entails just really got me going and it's something that I can totally relate to. So can you tell us about that right now and what you're doing? When is that coming out? Tell us a little bit about, you know, again, the details of the book and, and so on. Yeah, I'd love to. It's um, It's been very, very exciting for me. And at the same time, it's been a, a journey, uh, to say the least. Um, the book was really born out of a a desire. I, I went to university at 47 for the first time in my life after I had done my nutrition diploma and, and had been working at a wellness center. Um, I decided that I needed to go back to school for a couple of different reasons. I wanted to understand more of the hard sciences. Well, I, I think that my nutrition diploma was highly valuable and I learned a lot of practical uh, information. One thing I think was lacking was more of the hard sciences, hard sciences, and really understanding the inner workings of the body from a biochemical uh, standpoint, um, from a physiological standpoint. So I decided um, that I wanted to embark on this journey. I never went to university when I was younger because I was a party girl. When I quit athletics, I was drinking and smoking, and that really wouldn't have been too conducive to going to university. So. I just never did it back then. But after I started to regain my health, I felt like, you know, I can do this. I really want to go to university and have the full on experience. And so I had a couple questions when I went into university. And one of them was, you know, what are the more fundamental aspects of the, the, you know, our physical, biological beings? And why are people struggling so much when you give them all the hard information that they need to know about what they should eat? Why are they still continuing to struggle? And I found out very quickly that the, bio the biological sciences weren't really going to provide that answer. Um, I, I absolutely, when I spent four years in, back in university, it was the most incredible experience of my life. But it taught me an awful lot um, from a psychological standpoint because after having 
been a trained nutritionist and uh, you know, with a fairly regimented regime, I went into university, got completely consumed with the amount of um, work and study and change in lifestyle and started putting weight back on. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, while I hung on to my nutrition plan and uh, whatever, as much as I could, it just, I could just see it slowly eke away and take less of a priority. And so, you know, I never really, I, I think I got to the end of the four years and thought, wow, I know a lot about microbiology that I didn't know before. I know a lot about biochemistry and genetics and neuroscience, but I still really haven't answered the question about why, when we know what we know, we still struggle. And so I kind of looked at my, my I was going to, I was going to, I liked school so much, I was going to carry on and do a graduate degree. And I realized, though, I took a, I guess what they call a gap year <laughs> to figure out what I really wanted to do next. And I kind of realized, you know, now I, I was 51 when I graduated and my husband very gen- generously sort of sat back while I went back, you know, when I went to school and, and threw myself wholeheartedly into this. And I thought, you know, before I just jump into graduate school, maybe I need to consider his role in all of this. And so it just took a year to kind of think about where I wanted to go next and, and continuing to look at my own health and wellness and say, you know, so now I have all this medical sciences and this biological information and now I, I need to get my, my weight back under control, get my fitness program back online. And, and I started still really asking myself the question as to why are these things so hard to make uh, a permanent part of my lifestyle? What is, where are the blocks? And so my thesis really, I, I, I kept looking at different graduate programs and none of them really fit the bill. And the other thing I, I actually had someone say to me, I'd gone back and started working in life mastery again. And one of my cohorts said, you know, while you're, you're making all these plans to go back to school, you're not really helping anybody. And, you know, wasn't one of your initial questions is, was to kind of figure out for people how they could make these changes stick. And, you know, like anything, when anybody asks you one of those potent questions that kind of makes you stop and, and, and reflect a little bit, that was really a big question for me. And, and the fact that, yeah, if I went back to school, I'm really not helping anybody. It'll be, you know, another two or three years <laughs> before um, maybe I'm really actually doing anything by gaining more knowledge. And, and so what, what happened is I started to form different questions in that it's great to continue to gather more information and more knowledge. But what the missing piece kind of was then was, you know, what is the actual experience of, uh, I need to experience the, the, the whole, the, 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 I have to ask the questions and then experience the answers. So I kind of decided that I think I might like to write a book and the book instead will take the place of the, my thesis. And so I'm going to do these experiments on myself to try and sort out why I'm struggling with these questions and then, and then gather data and information and and write about it and, and start talking to people. Uh, You know, I, I, I maintained as soon as I graduated from school, I went back to doing some coaching and and working with people on a very limited basis because I, I didn't I didn't really have a bona fide business with a structure, but I was always meeting people that would say, you know, could you just help me with this or help me with that? So I, I kind of continued to start utilizing those questions that I was asking myself with other people. I started looking at the experiments I was doing with myself and and seeing how those experiments would translate in someone else's experience. And it really took me in a different direction. So the book has taken a lot of um, different morphs since that, you know, that was almost five years ago to now. And now um, to, to sort of fast forward, it's become a book that is being primarily, well, it's being written for men and women, but it really is a man. It's really the story of of uh, a man's journey to wellness and and the reason that it ended up that way is that for whatever reason I have over the course of my coaching life and time worked with a lot of male clients and and I've had a really interesting journey and I've learned a tremendous amount when I've been working with men 
And I see that there are definitely some differences between the struggles that men may have with food, with their body image, and, um, you know, with all of the different and with weight loss and all the different aspects that go into that sort of that bigger picture of health. And I recognize that in the marketplace that women are a much bigger target and programs are more primarily designed and based for women. So I just decided that, um, you know, in sort of developing a bit of a niche that I was going to focus on a couple of um, men as my sort of ideal readers and, and their journeys and their stories. And it's really turned into a really wonderful, educational, um, and really heartfelt journey and, and become a thesis unto itself as far as, as where the, the work is going to take me from here going forward. And what about some of the um, blocks that you're finding are very common with men in their wellness journey? Well, I think probably one of the most significant ones is, uh, you know, when you look at what eating and what and what food means to people in general, and I would say this is this is across the board. It's generic between men and women. Is that fooding, food is and eating is is unconscious. Uh, it's emotional, and it's habitual. I think that crosses the genders. Yet the and 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 there are a lot of men that recognize that they eat for emotional reasons, but they really have no comprehension of where that comes from or what to do about it. And I think that um, in in our society that there is an element of devaluing of that sort of emotional being in a man. I don't think a man is necessarily encouraged to really investigate his emotional landscape to the degree that women are. And, um, you know, what I think I really came to understand and, and how I look at my body of work now is when I really started to look at energy and energy medicine. And I came across the whole concept of, of the yin and yang in, in both the Tao, the, the Taoist alchemy and, and, and Chinese medicine, um, where they basically, you know, use it, look at it upon the entire structure as uh, a, a body of masculine and feminine energy. And so not looking at things as gender or sexual, that masculine uh, and feminine energy exist in both men and women. And that it, it's kind of this interactive dynamic flow that goes on in both a woman and a man. And when one of those energies becomes blocked or is not something that's really cultivated and seen as a, a value to the whole, the problems begin. And I think um, in a man, particularly, the whole concept of feminine energy is something that they've either never really encountered or understood. Um, and if they have, they may have misinterpreted it as female, as something that is more sexual in orientation, that, that means they're effeminate. And, and again, in society, that's something that is uh, is not been encouraged. We live in a very patriarchal, masculine, um, very goal-oriented society. Feminine energy is something that is more uh, nurturing, and and uh, it's a it's a, a darker earth energy. And I think it's it's just something that it, it's it's become uh, it's becoming more and more evident as I see uh, people kind of looking from a, a consciousness level that it's. It's, it's something that's interesting, but I still think there's a lot of work that can be done to educate um, both women and men into the importance of, um, you know, a, real in, a really integrated man is able to embrace both the feminine aspects uh, of, of his energetic nature as well as his masculine, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can profoundly relate with everything that you're saying. <laughs> hmm. and for that <laughs> <laughs> it's something that uh has been a core theme of my life uh, since since a young age and and really being heavily um influenced and around my mother i really and i think just beyond that i was just naturally have more of that feminine energy and it's something that it was difficult for me to embrace for such a long time because of the society that we live in and but 
as of, you know, the past six, seven years, I've been speaking more freely about this and more so now and just really encouraging men to find that within themselves because having that balance is just such an important thing. It's so key to someone's well-being mm -hmm. and having that and expressing that feminine energy myself I think I can help to shine a light on uh, on that for a lot of men. And I again, I'm really excited about this, about this book and what you're doing, because you're bringing something new to the table. You're putting a twist on something that I, again, a lot of people aren't doing. So I, I really applaud you for your work for that. Well, thank you. Thank you, Christopher. I, I appreciate that. And it's it's very validating to have a man uh you sort of look at, listen to the body of work and understand and appreciate, and also to be encouraging in that it's a woman that's still <laughs> delivering the information. You know, one <laughs> would ask oneself what makes you qualified to talk to men about these things. And I think that it's um, just through the course of the work that I've done with the male clients that I've, en I've encountered, I I've had uh, two um, male stepchildren, and I have a husband and a father and two older brothers, so I've had lots of encountering <laughs> there. But I've also always really enjoyed um, the masculine energy, and, 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 and when you see an integrative man where he's really comfortable in his skin, I think is so much more attractive in so many ways. And, and I think that, again, men are still latched on to the, the, the way they look as being that you know, the sort of the signature of, um, of success. And so it's really what, what I typically find is that we start a different conversation between myself and the client that I'm working with. And I ask, start asking different questions as far as things like, you know, in the body that you're in right now, um, could you find it? Could you find acceptance? Would you, could you be completely accepting of yourself? And a lot of times the answer is no. I don't look the way that, that I want to look, and I don't believe that society values the, the body uh, of, uh, that I'm in right now. And so, no, I can't accept myself. And I think that's, that's a real hardship, and that it's, a, it's a tough question to ask, and it's a tough answer to hear. And I think that, again, part of my um, working with men is that I feel a tremendous amount of compassion uh, as a woman and as a mother and as a wife. And, and I think to myself, um, you know, I know a lot of women suffer from the same thing, but there's lots of bodies of work out there that are addressing it. Whereas I don't know that when uh, a man is asked that question that he really knows what to do with it. You know, I could answer the question and say, no, I don't accept myself, but I have no idea what to do about that. So that's really sort of the, the, the part and parcel of, of a big part of the book is to how can we really understand and appreciate um, what, you know, what it is that you want from life and what may be missing that you don't even really understand. Uh, I used to always ask people, you know, what is it that you want? What's your goal? Or what is it that you want? And I recognize that, um, that the work that I'm, um, I'm, I'm addressing, they're not really aware of so it's kind of a hard question to, for me to start out with with people. So I don't really ask anymore. We don't we don't necessarily do goal setting because I think that it's something that it's a very different uh, because we're going in that direction. That's not it's it's nonlinear. You know, when you start talking about feminine energy, it's not from point A to point B. It's kind of takes on a more spiral <laughs> uh, journey, if you will, and it's not so much goal oriented. It's kind of like as you become more aware of the things that may be missing in your life, um, your energy starts changing, your mindset starts changing. And as a result of those things, you lose weight. Uh, you know, you change the way you eat. It's more organic. It, it, these things happen maybe more as a result of instead of that being the goal. Does, does that make sense? Perfectly makes sense. And I'm glad that you worded it that way because that's, a, you know, with Chris and I being life coaches and health advisors, we have the same concerns. You know, how can we get people to really stick with what makes them happy and healthy and vibrant and alive? And I like how you worded it that way, that it's not a linear concept. You don't just set a goal and then 
say, okay, this is my health goal. Now let's work towards it. It's there's so much uh, spiritual and emotional and other factors that play mm -hmm. into that. And that's kind of the approach that we like to take with our clients too, is not just looking at their wellness goals in the sense that they perceive it to be as a wellness goal, but let's look at the whole picture. What's going on in your life that's not serving you? What's happening here? What's, tell me more about that, you know, digging in a little bit deeper. And it's, it feels really good to hear someone of your expertise to kind of reaffirm that method. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that that's what people really need right now is, is they need, coaches and and mentors and and uh, leaders to really understand who they are and I think that people are really struggling to understand that themselves and that the best way that you can help them with that is to ask ask them questions and lean in and really it's not about you touting your information and your expertise it's about you really understanding the person that's sitting in front of you and you know health is so much more than the absence of weight and I know initially, you know, that was sort of my focus. Most of my, in my very early days of my uh, having a wellness practice, most of my clients were, um, were obese and, and recognizing that changing what you're eating is really just one thing. And that the reason that it's so difficult to continue to feed yourself well, if you don't address the other aspects of your, your being, your being and your wholeness is that you're not feeling any differently about yourself. You know, you might reach a weight goal and yet you still feel like crap inside. You still are somehow feeling like society doesn't value you or, you, you know, you really just as a reflection of you not having any self-value. And people don't really understand how to talk about that question about, you know, what does it mean to not have to, to feel worthy or to to feel like I value myself. People mistake it sometimes for thinking, oh, that sounds selfish or self-centered. And the reality is it's fundamental. And it's a fundamental tool that we need to really be robust and integrated individuals. You know, it's the healthy part of our ego that allows us to kind of manifest the things that we, we and, you know, that we dream about. We need the things that we imagine and, and the possibilities. Um, they really require that you know all of the parts of us to to be there and be integrated. They all have a role, and I think when we get linear in our goal setting, it becomes um, you know it becomes very single minded, and and thus it, when you don't deal with a person as the whole, you're only getting you know you're getting it's like the band aid versus the cure, if you will. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and I, I do want to address the the body image. A little bit because you had you had talked about that and touched on that and I think that uh, there's our concept of health is of men especially is quite skewed and I've really uh, learned this myself over the past few years because since I adopted uh, the lifestyle this plant based lifestyle I've dropped about thirty five pounds and so I've mm -hmm. gotten I've gotten pretty you know I've gotten down to the weight that I should be at that my body's regulating at. and that wasn't even a goal and that wasn't it even was a goal a, like you said it was a byproduct mm -hmm. of right. you living a more cohesive life but what has happened since then is I get comments probably every you know every time I see someone I haven't seen in a while maybe a family member or friend. And they said, wow, you gotten really skinny. Are you okay? Like, are you healthy? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something I've had to explain over and over and over again. Like, why is, you know, I'm not melting away here. <laughs> no, you're not malnourished. <laughs> I'm not malnourished. I'm actually at a very healthy weight. And I feel, like I said before, the best I've ever felt. But this, this concept mm -hmm. of our health, especially in men's body image, is very skewed. Mm -hmm. Well, it is very skewed, and and I think that it, it's a struggle that I entertain at Life Mastery quite regularly because there's a lot of younger guys that are are um, that come to the program and they are of the mindset that during this fast they're going to lose whatever muscle mass they've had and they need protein and <laughs> and they get really um, they get really freaked out by this whole fasting idea and how and this plant-based diet, and how am I going to go back into the real world and keep my muscle mass, and I'm still trying to work on that. And and so I, I just, I really enjoy listening to them and listening to their concerns, 
And then, you know, again, the conversation, I, I just ask them, I tell them the story of what I used to see in a lot of bodybuilders. So for, for a number of years, I was a, a, blo- a live blood microscopist. So I, you take a drop of blood from someone's finger and you put it under a microscope and you can get a nutritional qualitative snapshot of that person's physiology, the health inside their body. Uh, and the blood doesn't lie. So it's in real time. And it would it goes under a, a microscope and it's magnified forty thousand times. You can see the structure of the red blood cell and the and the white white blood cells, and then the environment that the blood cells, the flow that the blood cells are traveling in. And that was a really interesting time. In it changed a lot of paradigms for me about bodybuilding and fitness and um, the fact that a person may look really fit but it doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy. And so you, I would see the blood of some of, of these bodybuilders that were in a competitive environment and their blood would be trashed. And I would think, well, how is that when they clean eat and they, you know, they're, they're, they're taking all these steps towards great health. But the reality is what they're actually doing is so far away from nature that it was creating, they would have to, con, they actually have to uh, construct an artificial environment in order to achieve this look and this amount of muscle mass and the tearing down of muscle fibers and the lactic acid and all these different things. And I think that, you know, for the bodybuilders out there that are listening, there's ways that you can go about this and do this in, 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 that can be um, that certainly can be more pr- protective, more uh, on a cellular level with, with good recovery and cold immersion and these types of things. But for the average person that's trying to achieve this, they don't really appreciate the fact that in nature, that's not really what the man's body looks like. Mm-hmm. So I imagine for you, Christopher, when you just allow your na- natural weight to arise by eating well and taking care of yourself, it's a different look than what society has deemed as that successful and valuable model. You know, you look at the underwear commercials and these guys are all, you know, they're buff and they're, they, they've, they've got um, the six pack and that type of thing. But it takes a, a fairly artificial circumstance to, in order to keep that up. And I think that again, unless you've been royally blessed with, uh, with genes that help that become more, natural that that's not a realistic look that people are struggling to achieve i can agree with you 100 percent. well you know and it's it's so interesting because chris was big in the sense he was going to the gym a lot and you know he was just bulky like we'd mentioned before and now he's leaned out completely you see muscle definition but he's lean and he is skinny compared to what he was before. But mm-hmm. people have this this misconception that because he lost the muscle mass that he no longer wished to carry around with him and because he lost the extra, you know, pudge that, you know, he didn't mind before, like they think that he's sick. They think that something's <laughs> wrong. They think that, you know, I'm starving him because there comes that woman in the kitchen thing, you right. know, and it's, right. <laughs> it's like, I'm we're, far from being starved. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're on this journey together and nobody said a word when I lost 18 pounds, but I right. know that in the past, if I were to gain weight, you better bet someone would be pointing that out very quickly. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's interesting how our perceptions are with both men and women. And it's it. I see him battle with that more than I ever did mm-hmm. because of what people are saying to him every time they see him. And it's, it's like what you said, you're so close to this because you're a wife, you're a mother, you're compassionate, like towards men that are dealing with this. And I'm starting to feel that same way. Every single time I hear someone say, Oh, man, you're skinny. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like this little wedge, you know, it gets inside of me and I'm like, get protective. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think it's an appreciation. Um, and it comes back, I think, to the acceptance piece. And I, I had a conversation with a client the other day, asked him the question about he struggled with his weight. Uh, for most of his life, stemming right back to when he was six or seven years old. And 
when I asked him, you know, about the acceptance piece, could you accept yourself as you are right now in your physical body? And he said, no, absolutely not. And he said, that really upsets me to say that, but it's the truth. And I said, if society um, all of a sudden shifted, you woke up and went tomorrow morning and everything had changed and society all of a sudden deemed the physical body you're in right now to be the success model and you got up in the morning and turned the TV on and, you know, there was your picture as the poster boy in the underwear commercials and, you know, that your body type right now was what was valued as the success model. Do you think you could accept yourself then? And he said, yeah, probably. Mm. <laughs> and so it's really, it's very pervasive as to the messages that are, are kind of drilled into our head as to what a successful man looks like and what a man thinks he needs to look like in order to get the great relationship and the best job. And, and, you know, I think it just goes back to really the objective, I think in the body of work that I'm in the book is to, is to get to that place where you can be comfortable in your own skin and being comfortable in your own skin. Let's not mistake that for being passive. And I think that that's where sometimes when we talk about feminine energy, that people think that that's somehow passive and it's not, you know, it's not that supercharged. We see a lot of, um, I see a lot of work and platforms based on how can we supercharge ourselves and make ourselves out to, you know, the maximizing our potential. And I think that that's all wonderful and, 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 and it is got a very valid place that once you get yourself into a state of balance <laughs> that you can then kind of look at that supercharging. But a lot of people want to go directly for that. You know, I want to get that hit. I want to get that juice. And, and again, it comes back to energy, management of energy as kind of an overall goal and that vitality when you think about, and, and again, I'll just say it as I laid it out in the book, in part one of the book, we talk about impotence and impotence is a thing that a, a guy has a lot of concerns about and really a lot of his way of views himself is based on that sort of that degree of vitality and I mean, we see older men now engaging in, in, we look at all these commercials on erectile dysfunction, and so you can see how it permeates our culture and how important this is that, oh, you know, we need to be able to have this vitality and this vital life force. And that really comes from, uh, you know, taking care of ourselves as an energetic level. And it's about managing and balancing our energy within nature you know if we just look at the laws of nature and we balance ourselves in a way that is is in harmony with nature then i think a man can have a lot of vitality and longevity up until the point that he dies you know mm -hmm. whatever age that may be mm -hmm. and i think it's a it's a misconception like anything else that that um that for some reason you know that that it's something else that we're looking for and vitality can be taken from us at a very early age and and that comes from childhood upbringing if there's emotional trauma if there are those messages that are implanted in a young boy's mind that they are not enough as they are don't cry so you know don't be a crybaby don't be a pussy don't mm -hmm. don't act like a girl those messages they start in the schoolyard and and they're perpetuated sometimes by well-meaning uh, older siblings and and even the things our parents say as far as how they treat a boy or a, uh, they treat a girl and i think what i see happening is that men as you grow into manhood you don't have that emotional you don't have that container for managing your emotions because you've basically been told to kind of reject a certain set of emotions that are an integral part of informing us energetically as to what's happening to us in the world around us. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I'm really, really excited to read this book. When do you plan on having it finished? Well, I'm uh, right now I'm just, uh, I've just, I've been doing rewrites on the outlines and just kind of really ensuring that I, I get the, you know, that, that I bring it right to that stage of integration because that piece is so important to me that this isn't just something that's another piece of knowledge for someone to read, that there's some really bona fide steps and, and protocols they can take to kind of embody the work. So um, I would say right now that I'm, I'm going to be looking at American Thanksgiving as a release date. So the, it'll be printed and uh, on the shelves or in Amazon 
um, either really late November, but definitely at the outside early, early December. Well, we'll definitely be buying a copy. Absolutely. And recommending (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. In in the meantime, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start dripping some content from it and sharing it very lovingly and openly, openingly, um, on my website and my blog. And so, um, any, any of your, your, um, listeners that are interested it, it i'll start you know I'm, I'm just so excited to share this work with the world and um, i hope they'll come and visit me there and if they have questions that may have arisen from listening to this i am always just so incredibly passionate and honored to be able to address address them if i can so and where can our listeners uh, contact you or find you if they're interested in yep. connecting so- so my website is um and I have my blog you can find my blog there or at my, on my Facebook page I have both a personal page you're welcome to friend me or uh, my fan page which is uh, at Lori Cosser fan page Love it. I can send, I can send you those links as well so that's perfect we'll post, post them in the show notes so people can click right on them directly Great absolutely well, you know what, Lori? Do you have one any last bit of words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Wow, um, that's always a, a, a loaded question. Yet you're asking for <laughs> just that one thing. I guess that the thing that um, that really, if I took all all of what I've come to know and experience and study, is boils down to one really sort of fundamental thing. If you can just be comfortable in your own skin at, at whatever size and really kind of embrace the person that you are and, and see, you know, see that shell as just something that's temporary and that there's so much more material um, when you do the inner journey. So just, you know, really the, the sooner you can kind of bridge the gap between where you are now and just being yourself, um, there's such magic there and uh, uh, just keep that kind of. Out, out in your your the distance and is something to kind of work towards so really just engaging and being who you already are that there isn't anything that you really need to do if you choose to do it that's fine and that's great but you know we're all such incredible we have such incredible potential already within us beautiful very well said <laughs> awesome well we really appreciated you coming onto our show Lori. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laurie. And thank you to both of you and to all of your listeners. Awesome interview with Laurie. Can't wait to read her book. Yes. We're excited. So now we have the health tip of the episode. Thanks for sticking around for that hour. Glad to have you here. Are you not sure you want to commit to an entire lifestyle change or program or a long-term relationship with one of us as your health coach or advisor? You kind of want to just dip your toes in the water and test to see if this whole holistic realm is for you. That's precisely why we created the free ebook, Fresh Start. And that's right. I said free. You can go right onto our website and download it for free. And the reason we did this is because we had a lot of people coming to us with questions and concerns, not quite sure they were ready for that full on change, but they kind of wanted to just dabble in it a little bit here and there. So we created Fresh Start which is seven days of clean eating recipes and a sample meal plan. That's how many recipes? 24 total, because that includes snacks, and they're all tested and tried by us. They are delicious. Yes, we've created them ourselves. So we've also had people go through our Eat to Thrive program, and this is modeled off our Eat to Thrive program. So we know for sure these recipes are good. But it's not just recipes, because here's the thing. Holistic wellness doesn't just talk about diet. It talks about everything. How much, how involved, should I say, are you in your self-care routine? Well, we've incorporated a self-care checklist with goal setting and action steps and questions to help you see the areas of your life or the areas of your self-care routine that need a little bit more fulfillment so that you can be stress-free, balanced, happy, and just a big old bundle of self-love. So on top of that, we've also incorporated a mindfulness breathing technique to help you with these changes over the next seven days. So Fresh Start is just a really good way for you to try it out and see what all the fuss is about. See if you kind of 
like it. And if you do, then you can talk to us a little bit more and we can help encourage you along your health goals and your health journey in a much deeper, intimate approach. Yeah. And you can always schedule a free chat with us. We love talking to you and it's something that we want to help you. We want to help point you in the right direction and help you on your journey of personal transformation. So again, we love talking to you. Feel free to contact us with any questions or concerns, and we will be there for you the whole way. Do you hear that delicious sound? No, it's not the freshly fried patty of the crispy McChicken sandwich. Well, actually it is. But it's also the sound of a debt being paid. Because this golden crisp chicken could be the very first meal you treat your parents to. Yes, parental payback is now available in many delicious McDonald's deals. Like buy one, get one for a dollar. Every day at McDonald's, mix and match a new hot and spicy McChicken with classics like a McDouble, McChicken, or four-piece Chicken McNuggets. Price and participation may vary. Do you hear that delicious sound? No, it's not the freshly fried patty of the crispy McChicken sandwich. Well, actually it is. But it's also the sound of a debt being paid. Because this golden crisp chicken could be the very first meal you treat your parents to. Yes, parental payback is now available in many delicious McDonald's deals. Like buy one, get one for a dollar. Every day at McDonald's, mix and match a new hot and spicy McChicken with classics like a McDouble, McChicken, or four-piece Chicken McNuggets. Price and participation may vary.